0: Hey, Cracked fans, if you're a listener of this podcast, I imagine you feel fairly similar to how I do about the latest clothing options made available across the tennis market. Now, while I won't call out any brand in particular, I will say this – Given the exorbitant nature of the latest designs, feels like you better be pretty freaking good at tennis if you want to wear that sort of clothing on the court. Now, thankfully, we here at Crack Rackets are now able to provide a far more suitable, far more comfortable, and I'm going to be honest, far more stylish option for all of our Crack Rackets fans, courtesy of our friends over at Lucky Racket. Lucky Racket uses some of the best fitting and feeling tees in the world. Their shirts are combed, ring-spun, heirloom cotton, and tri-blend Bella and Canvas. I don't even know what that means, but that sounds spectacular. So... How can you get yourself some Lucky Racket gear? It's simple. Just go to their website, LuckyRacket.com. That's L-U-C-K-Y-R-A-C-K-E-T.com. And use our promo code, Cracked15. If you do, you'll get 15% off all of your purchases. That means 15% off the shirts. 15% off all of the incredible swag offered by our friends. Again, that's LuckyRacket.com. The promo code is Cracked15. results and controversies from the tennis world today is thursday september 9th before we get into the teenage revolution and yes it's a teenage revolution happening at the 2021 u.s open i do quickly want to address the elephant in the room some of you may be wondering alex given all of the excitement that happened thursday night in new york how the hell are you whispering your way through today's podcast well to be frank, and I apologize for referring to myself in third person, but Hotel Gruskin is back. I am recording today's show in my room in Knoxville, Tennessee, which plays hosts to this weekend's 2021 Knoxville Showdown. We at Crack Rackets having the opportunity to cover four of the top 25 teams in the nation competing this weekend in a little early season fall action. Of course, so many fantastic storylines for us to monitor Tennessee coming off of an NCAA semifinal appearance in 2021. 2021. You have Kentucky, home of the number one player in the nation, Liam Draxel, and an upstart program that is promising to do some damage here in 2021. Uh two. Of course, you've got a Pepperdine team that is always in the mix. One of the powerhouses of the West Coast. Singles, doubles, they always bring their A game. And then perhaps the most interesting storyline to cover this weekend the return to competition of columbia they've competed at the national indoors i want to say the past four seasons prior to 2020 were one were of course ivy league athletics elected not to compete because of the covid pandemic and look this Columbia team has brought in consecutive top 10 recruiting classes. Coach Endelman has a ton of talent on the Lions roster. I cannot wait to see how they come out of the gates here at this weekend's event. But, of course, that is not the focus of today's podcast. I will point out, if you're looking to get your tennis fix before today's U.S. Open men's singles semifinal start, head on over to our Crack Rackets YouTube channel. Play starts 10 a.m. here on Friday. Going to start 10 a.m. on Saturday as well. We'll have podcasts re- all of the action at the end of the day, but if you're looking to get your fix before those semifinal matches start, come join us. We're going to have some fun all weekend long on our Cracked Rackets YouTube channel covering this 2021 Knoxville showdown. But of course, with that out of the way, oh my Goodness, folks, what a night of tennis we had in New York. The teenagers getting the job done as 19 year old Layla Fernandez, 18 year old Emma Raducanu advance to the U.S. Open final. Look, when Ashley Barty was eliminated, when Naomi Osaka was eliminated, we knew things were going to get funky over the course of the rest of the women's singles event. But did I ever? anticipate that we would have two teenagers competing in the 2021 U.S. Open Women's Singles Final. No, I didn't. And I pride myself on wacky takes. I pride myself as, you know, a next-gen journalist, not in the sense that I'm the next generation of tennis journalism, but as someone who has covered the next-gen beat as closely as I like to think as anyone in the tennis media world. And yet, to see this breakthrough from Leila Fernandez, who was a former Junior Slam champion, who had made a third round of a slam coming into this U.S. Open, you know, prior to turning 19 years old and then cracked the top 100 and won a WTA title and it made a separate final and it done a lot of really cool things. But never could I have anticipated the 19-year-old would come up with four consecutive three-set victories over top 20 opponents and end up in her first Grand Slam final. You look for Layla Fernandez again today. It was a three-set victory over second-seeded Arena Sapolanka, and I mean the gauntlet of opponents Fernandez has run. Osaka, Kerber, uh, to beat whoever she beat. I'm, I'm blanking out here because they're as No, was she the Svitolina? She was the Svitolina match, I believe. So in that quarterfinals and then obviously to knock off Sapolanka in three sets here. Just... What a remarkable performance from the eight, uh, 19-year-old. And, of course, on today's show, I want to talk about what she did in particular on Thursday night to weather the storm against Sabalenka to advance to her first final. Of course, for Emma Raducanu, uh, you know, what is that now? Eight wins up, or excuse me, nine wins up, nine, nine matches up, nine matches down. She's, you know, won all 18 sets dating back to the start of qualifying and just ripped through this draw. On her way to the US Open final, of course, yesterday for Radakanu. She came out guns blazing, races out to a five love start over Maria Sakari, able to get over the finish line, 6 1, 6 4, of course. I do want to talk about that match as well. Just why Emma Radakanu makes this game look so easy, and for an 18 year old to have that, be that fluid from both wings, you know, forehand, backhand, to move that well in and out of corners, to not flinch when surfing for the match match up 5-4, and serving for her first Grand Slam final in only her fourth WTA-level main draw. Special, special stuff. And so, of course, I want to talk about both of their performances today, offer you all a few stats. I would point out internet connection right now in my hotel, a little bit funky as such. I won't have my plethora of tennis abstract notes for all the other. I think at this point I have most of them memorized. But, of course, before I get into that, I do want to just briefly mention that the reason we were able to do these shows day in, day out here at Cracked Rackets is because of the support we get from all of you listeners, because of the support we get from our Cracked Rackets Patreon family, and of course, because of the support we get from our friends at Tennis Point. You all know the deal. Tennis-point.com Best equipment, best prices. You use that promo code CR15, 15% 15 off your order. Free two-day shipping on all orders exceeding $75. Best of all, a free can of Wilson Extra Duty Tennis Balls. Again, tennis dash point symbol, not the spelling tennis dash point dot com the promo code is c r fifteen with that said, let's get into it. I'm, where do I start? I, I guess we'll start with the Fernandez matches she played first chronologically and that was the match that went three sets but I mean just looking at this day and looking at where we are and you could see the reaction if you're listening to this podcast you're likely a part of tennis Twitter. It was ablaze last night because even watching it unfold it still almost felt unbelievable. I mean you look for Layla Fernandez here's the the company she joined the last woman to win three consecutive three set matches. And let's keep in mind, Fernandez has won four, dating back to win over Osaka. It was a win over Kerber, a win over Svitolina. I was correct. Hey, great shot to myself. Uh, And then the win last night over Sapalanka. Four straight three-set wins over top 20 opponents. Well, let's just go back, regardless of the level of opponent, who's the last player to win three consecutive three-set matches on the way to the final? It was Sloane Stephens in 2017. What does she go on to do? She wins the title now the last player to win four straight three-set matches on their way to the final was Roberta Vinci in 2015. She got a withdrawal in round four, but round three, quarterfinals, semifinals, uh, and I believe on her way, uh, and maybe it was second round as well, that she ended up winning uh, three-set matches on her way to that final. But the last one to win for you know, true for true, leash three consecutive, uh, three set ma- or four consecutive three set matches. You know, from round three all the way through the semifinals into the final was nineteen ninety nine Serena Williams, who won four straight three set matches on her way to the title. I mean, guess who was in that final? in 1999 that was the last time we had a two teenage final it was at that time Serena Williams then 17 years old then I believe number seven in the world taking on world number one and 18 year old Martina uh, Hingis now what Hingis had accomplished by age 18 what Serena had accomplished by age 17 you know monumentally more than Fernandez and what, you know, Raducanu have have accomplished. This is the first unseeded matchup, I believe, in a women's singles final in maybe Grand Slam history. I know certainly U.S. Open history. It is the first men's or women's major final featuring unseeded players since the Open era began in 1968. It's just... Incredible what Layla Fernandez is able to do. And you look for her last night in her seven six four six six four victory over Arena Sabalenka. It was just the steadiness with which she played. She has dealt with so much adversity over these past three matches. And really dating back again, and I, I keep listing this every time we talk about her matches, but she beat Anna former top 20 player, former quarterfinalist at the U.S. Open. Didn't lose a set in qualifying. She beats her in straight sets. She then beats a top 20 player, a player who has been sneaky good this year in Kaya Kanepe. Straight sets again, round number two. She was down, you know, Osaka, and this is the inflection point moment perhaps of this era, and I apologize from stealing that, I think from at Hurley tennis. Naomi Osaka served for the match against Layla Fernandez. That we when we look back a decade from now, that could be the moment where, you know, again, a proverbial torch was passed where Layla Fernandez, if she goes on a run, if she rips off something historic, which of course at 19 years old that she's even made one grand slam final puts her just on pace to do, we could look back and say, hey, remember when Osaka served for that match, but Fernandez got over the hump and then the confidence from there to beat Kerber, beat Svitolina, beat Sabalenka in three sets, beat Radakinu in the final. Layla Fernandez does not flinch in any moment, particularly as it manifests itself in the semi-final as Sabalenka raced off to a three-love lead and you listeners know we here at Crack Rackets, I don't want to say we invented the Sabalenka beat but we pride ourselves on, you know taking the Sabalenka beat seriously and being on top of that beat and you look for Sabalenka who has won titles this season and you know multiple titles I believe it's Abu Dhabi and Madrid and has beaten Ashley Barty and it was something what like 44 and 14 or 45 and 14 entering this match on the year and was coming off of a Wimbledon semifinal, and you know has one, you know, Premier Mandatories when they were called back in the day and has one major events and is still only, you know, 22, 23 years old this year. It just felt like... As she raced off to that three-love lead, okay, and if you look in the drafts for my tweets, I I have it in there where one of the most somehow unheralded stories, when we're going to look back at 2021, will we remember it as the Sapalanka breakout season, that's how good she looked through those first three games where just the returns were connecting, she was dominating on the first serve, she was playing on her terms, playing aggressively. And it didn't really matter what Layla Fernandez did because when Sabalenka plays her best tennis, when she is on her front foot and, you know, shout out to Serena Williams Power Tennis Country Club, which I feel like we haven't brought up in quite a bit on these shows, but she belongs in it. She plays her best. You're playing on Sabalenka's terms. And yet, Fernandez did not allow those terms to hold. She, you know, continued to just absorb that first strike, put first serves in play, play high percentage tennis, move the ball around the court, not hit the same ball two times in the same direction so that Sapalanka couldn't set her feet. And you look for Leyla Fernandez, you know, again, she makes 60% of her first serves in set number one, wins 65% of those points, 59% of her second serve points, perhaps most impressively. She goes 10 of 12 on Sabalenka's second serve point. She recognized very early on, hey, if I have the opportunity to dictate, I have to take it. I have to make the most of that chance. And she started putting more pressure on Sabalenka. And as we know, Sabalenka will give you a loose service game at some point in a set. As good as she can look in 20-minute stretches, there will be a 10-minute stretch where things begin to go awry, where you know the forehand ends up in the net or it starts shanking and spraying because that is the more volatile wing, and as such, her confidence, begins to wane and she's, you know, someone who tries to swing her way through everything. And Fernandez banked on that fact. And Fernandez, again, taking the ball early on the rise, moving it around the court. And the lefty just—and both her and Radikainu, and I know I tweeted this out, but what's so impressive about the young lefty's game is— is that it's not flashy there's not just you know she's not banging forehands 130 miles per hour she's not hitting serves 120 but she's so freaking good at everything already and there were just no vulnerabilities it took her a few games but she found the rhythm to adjust absorb redirect the pace of Sabalenka and there were still times you know second set from the start Sabalenka roars out and gets the break and you know um there were times when Sabalenka did play untouchable tennis, start of the first set, start of you know the second set, ending of that second set, as well as she gets the break and gets the hold to uh, clinch the set because it was a two-break set for her in set number two. But you look uh, for uh, Leila Fernandez in the match, again, she just minimized the opportunities for easy attacking from Arena Sabalenka. And then just throughout the match, she took her chances always when she got a short ball, when she got the opportunity to keep Sabalenka on her back foot and you look for the match Arena Sabalenka made 68% of her first serves wins 70% of her first serve points normally those numbers are good enough for Arena Sabalenka to get the job done and yet she you know it's 5-4 third set they're you know on serve at that point they'd each broken serve one time uh to uh to that point but Sabalenka blinked and played a very poor service game where the pressures did begin to manifest themselves. And, you know, again, I don't think she made a single ball outside of the serve in that final game. There were a bunch of plus one errors, just, you know, the forehand spraying, the backhand spraying, her going for big shots, and that's what Fernandez does. She puts herself in a position to benefit from those blinks, from that one loose game. And, you know, again, for Arena Sabalenka, she's going to be kicking herself, because that first set was on her racket, and she was the better player in set number number one, yet she lost it in a breaker because she started spraying in the biggest moments, and she just didn't have the plan B, the plan C to turn to that Fernandez did. When, you know, is on her front foot, Fernandez is absorbing and redirecting. When Sabalinka's floating second serves, Fernandez is attacking and moving forward, and just all these little adjustments Layla Fernandez can make, the nuances to her game— it's remarkable, and, you know, again, I don't think 19-year-old Canadian women have ever lost in New York. Andrescu, 19-year-old, wins the U.S. Open 2019. Fernandez here, 19 years old, r- miraculous three-set run, and look, the seeds to this run had been planted earlier, because she did make, you know, a final in 2020, was one of those emerging players down the home stretch, third round of the 2020 French Open. It did feel like, okay, the 18-year-old Fernandez was primed for a step forward here, maybe Maybe break the top 50, win a WTA title as she did earlier in the season, but not this. Not this. Not Grand Slam final, four straight top 20 wins. And, you know, again, for Layla Fernandez, as, as impressive and well rounded as the game is on court, what perhaps is most impressive is her t- intangibles off of it. There was a tug of war last night for the crowd. And particularly at the start of the second set, Arena Sapolanka down a set after she probably should have won, the crowd was chanting, Layla, 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 or let's go Layla, clap, 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 clap. Which, by the way, underrated all-time chant. I don't think we put it in the proper pedestal. That's probably... I would say the wave at sporting events is probably number one, but then it's let's go and insert team. And Layla Fernandez was already getting the let's go Layla" treatment from the New York crowd, heavily partisan towards Fernandez. And I think that helped. And it's a credit to Fernandez who embraces the crowd, who lets out the big commands after the big points and gets her hands in the air, that fist pump and just her gesturing to the crowd to come on, bring some noise. That's going to be one of the iconic scenes of this 2021 uh, U.S. Open. When we look back, that photo of Fernandez doing that, that's going to be something we remember throughout her breakthrough run because she has done such a phenomenal job of embracing the crowd, embracing the energy that's been directed towards her. And it's why she's ended up in this U.S. Open final. Now for Sabalenka, devastating, devastating loss. And, you know, David Kane as editorial producer over at Tennis Channel for tennis.com friend of the show he put it brilliantly uh, in a tweet he tweeted out last night and i believe i gave him with i hit him with the retweet but you know Sabalenka has been the lifeblood she has been the backbone of the pandemic tour whether it was the fact that she played Ostra, played Linz at the end of last season, provided them some top 10 oomph as she won both of those events and gave that winning streak, you know, a little extra juice at the start of this year as well. She goes to Abu Dhabi, wins that event, plays Serena Williams brutally close at this U.S. Uh, at this year's Australian Open. And then, you know, again, three sets to Jabur, she lost at the French Open. Semi-final three-set loss to Pliskova. Semi-final three-set loss here to Leila Fernandez. It was an unequivocal step forward for Arena Sabalenka this year, who is one of the four players to rank top 16 in both hold and break percentage on the WTA Tour, and who you saw last night at the start of that match, when she plays her best tennis, the tennis she flashed in those opening three games, it's better than anyone. It is that good. Her best may be the best right now in the women's game. The problem is the vacillation from her best and her worst and the variance is far too high. And it might be the biggest variance of any women in the WTA top thirty. And just again, the off speed stuff isn't there. It's power tennis. It's hit through my problems. It's, you know, when in doubt, swing it out. And the thing is, she flashes the ability to play the short angles. And I actually, again, I say this all the time, but for someone so powerful, I do think she's a better mover than she gets credit for. I do think she's pretty fluid in the outer thirds and can create some magic there. And again, 170% of her first serve points, she wins that match 7 out of 10 times. 8 out of 10 times, but the stage, the intangibles for Layla Fernandez made it that ninth occasion, made it that 10th occasion, and ultimately propels the young Canadian to her first Grand Slam final, and I mean, it's been a series of firsts for Layla Fernandez, who now obviously with this win will move up to a new career high in the live rankings. You look for the 19-year-old upon uh, the start of next week. She will be 27th in the live rankings. Now, what's crazy, she wins this title. She only moves up to 19th. And by the way, Raducanu up to 32nd. She wins this title. She only moves up to 23rd. What are we doing here, WTA rankings? I mean, first of all, that's just incredible. I guess for Raducanu, kind of makes sense because she's only played four main draws. But, I mean, Fernandez is what now, 23, 24, and nine and has won a WTA title this season and has made a final elsewhere, excuse me, as well. So, thankfully, those rankings protections coming to an end soon. But again, what a run for Leila Fernandez. And, you know, if that's one half of the equation, if hers has been the dramatic half on the flip side, how freaking easy has Emma Raducanu made her run to the U.S. Open final? Look, again, nine matches up, nine matches down. 18 sets played, 18 sets won. She's been pushed past 6-4 once in her uh, nine matches. Let me say that again. All the sets she's played, she played one 7-5 set. It was in the second round of qualifying. That was the last time she was even pushed in a set. You look for Emirata Kinu. Again, it's just so easy. And I got, I don't want to call it a debate because it was a, fr- you know, debate implies there was disagreement. I suppose it was a nomenclature debate. And then what, in the sense that what does the term flashy mean? And to some, flashy is, you know, noticeable. It's, uh, that's the shot where it's the eye test flash. It's, oh, you notice that and you say, what's that? That is flashy. That shot is better than everyone else. That's the sort of flash I like. For me, the term flashy means, unreplicable. It means you can't do that every time. It means, oh yeah, you'll flash excellent, so you will hit a ridiculous forehand cross-court. You can do the Delpo down the line once every seven forehand down the lines that you try to hit, the other six go spraying wide. That, to me, is a flashy player. Emma Raducanio is too freaking good to be considered flashy. She's just good. <laughs> like It's not flash when you do it... You know, nine consecutive matches, it's not a flash when you're making ten unforced errors over the course of a match when you're just dictating to a Sakari, you're dictating to you know a Benchich, you're dictating to a Shelby Rogers, you're absorbing their pace, you're redirecting it with no issues, and you're just handling their first serves and neutralizing those balls the second they float second serves, and Maria Sakari did not play her best tennis last night, but the moment she floated a second serve, I'm who was inside the baseline on top of it taking the return early. And I mean... This girl's just got talent. You look for Rodicanu Kanu yesterday in her 6-1, 6-4 victory over Maria Sakkari. Again, A, she raced out to a 5-love lead, and after fra- facing multiple break points in the opening game of the match from Sakari, she breaks Sakkari right back to take the 2-love lead, and look, Sakkari was not playing her best tennis again at the start. And she comes out, and you know the skirt she was wearing was a little bit too big, so she had to go change that as well, and you could tell she just wasn't comfortable in it in her first three games, but... Again, for Radha Kanu, it's almost Brooksby-ish in just, you know, for her, and I've talked about it, she's averaging over a 71% of her first serves. She's making over 71% of them. That's a top five number amongst top 50 players here. Uh, you, she, you know, it's just for the event for her, but that number would translate to a top five number on the WTA tour. She's also winning, you know, over 75% of her first serves. That number wouldn't translate to a top five number. That would be number one above Barty. Now, Osaka, when she plays her best, is above that number, but for the year, that would be above Osaka. She won 69% of her second serve points yesterday, saved all 7 break points she faced, created 11 break point chances for herself, 19 of 29 on the Socrates' second serve points She dominated. Like, unless Maria Sakharin made a big first serve and had an easy look at a plus one, and Sakharin did win 71% of her first serve points, but in every other scenario, it was Radakanu who was the aggressor. It was Radakanu with the better uh, rally tolerance. It was Radekainu dictating from the baseline. It was—she had the biggest weapons on the court. Her serve— her, or her backhand, her forehand as well, which is the most more explosive side, but, you know, again, that backhand is just so easy for her, and you talk about flashy, that's the wing that is probably the one that gets accused of being flashy because of just how natural she makes it look, but that's why I say it's not flashy, it's just natural. She is just that good. There's no flash there, folks. It's all substance uh, for Emma Raducanu, who just—there's a, there's a subtle confidence to her. And the thing I loved most—and this is not meant to be disrespectful to Renee Stubbs. Don't think I'm slighting her question, because this is the question you have to ask. And, you know, I said this on yesterday's GSP Ace of the Day podcast. If Layla Fernandez won the first match, I thought that Emma Raducanu would win the second one because the confidence of seeing, okay— Layla did it? Of course I can do it. Oh, we're both doing this? We're making this teenage revolution a thing? Like, the way she fought back after getting, you know, down 3-0 in 10 minutes against Sabalenka? Uh Of course you're going to ask that question if you're Renee Stubbs. How does the Layla Fernandez win give you confidence heading into your match? And Radha goes, with all due respect... I'm focused on myself right now. I've just been worried about me. And she kind of laughed and looked at her box. And I know if I said that, my dad would look at me and go, yeah, no shit. You're just worried about yourself, Alex. Tell me something I don't know. And that was the, you know, that's why she started to laugh afterwards as well. Because I think she kind of said, no, I don't mean I'm only thinking of myself in this moment. But that is exactly what she means. And guess what? A little bit of selfishness in this stage to say I'm not worried about what other people are doing. I am solely focused on my performance, controlling what I can control control, that's the maturity of a 28-year-old we're seeing in an 18-year-old. And for Rodicanu, who, by the way, won career head-to-head, she beat Leila Fernandez, Junior Wimbledon, I want to say it was 2019, uh, but you look back, for Radakenu, who, again, at 15, 16, 17 years old, was already a top junior in the world. And then, you know, she goes and starts to play ITF events because the juniors had no more added value for her. It was an opportunity cost. Why waste time in the juniors getting wins when I can go figure out how my game translates at the pro level right now, figure out what I need to work on moving forward, and you just look for Radakenu. Again, I, I apologize I'm not breaking down her match with the depth I did the Sabalenka match because she just dominated from start to finish. She absorbed the first strike of Sakari. She was the better mover in the outer third. She just tracked down everything Sakari threw at her, and you could see throughout that second set, Sakari was just searching for answers, and credit to her, she kept scrapping. She could have easily folded down 3-5, serving to stay in the match when Rodicanu had multiple match point chances to break, but she kept scrapping. She kept making that extra ball. She you know, didn't turn to the slice, didn't turn to the short angles as much as I would have liked just to throw different looks, and she She wasn't willing to... Like, I was surprised Sakari wasn't willing to play more 10, 15, 20-shot rallies. But, you know, again, maybe because she said, well, there's no point in doing that because Radhikenu's not going to make an error. And the moment I get tentative and leave something in the center of the court, she's making me pay for it anyway. So why even go that route? And I can't blame her for thinking that because it's true. Radhikenu did make her pay. It was just... It was so impressive. From start to finish and again you look for Rodicaanu she becomes the first qualifier men's or women's in the open era to reach a singles final at a Grand Slam. She does it at 18 years old as well as I mentioned she's up to number 32 now in the li- uh, in the live rankings. It's a life-changing result and you know again when I was talking about the next gen players I think Shviantek and Rescue Osaka uh, you know, even Barty's still younger than I am. Barty's a 1996er, and Sabalenka's 23 years old, and, you know, Sakari's a 95er. Like, all of these players are either just entering their primes, or, you know, are are either in the middle of their primes, or just entering the start of their primes, and yet they're going to get pushed already, because you've got Raducanu now, you've got Leila Fernandez clearly in the mix, players like Clara Tawson, who beat Raducanu in Chicago, you know, two weeks ago, and has already won two WTA titles this season, and then, by the way, you want to hear something crazy, Coco Goff is actually still younger I don't I don't know why actually she was always has always been younger than both Raducanu and Fernandez. So it's just like and we all expect such big things out of Coco Gauff who's already made a quarterfinal, already won WTA titles, already been top, you know, 25 sort of player. Add two more into that mix right away into the ecosystem. Emma Raducanu is that good. Hits the backhand with ease when she has time to set on the forehand. The lookout can change directions off both wings. Is fluid out of her corners. Is a reluctant but competent volleyer. More than fine. She just the way she springs her legs into the serve, the way she keeps her back swings condensed on the return of serve. She can do it all. And so again, when we look at this matchup for Raducanu moving forward. Uh, in the final against Layla Fernandez, two players playing with house money, and I posited this theory. And this is where I'm going to end the show because I got to go do some Knoxville stuff. So I do apologize again for the lack of complete uh, analysis, like we've had on some of our past recaps. But it's interesting to note, you know, the players' ages, 22 to 28. They grew up watching. Caroline Wozniacki reach world number one, but just take lump after lump in the grand slams and just, you know, again, have to deal with the pressure and the narrative of the pressure over and over again until she broke through. Same deal with Simona Halep. Made, what, three, four Grand Slam finals before she was able to capture her first title. And you just see, you know, repeatedly players like Pliskova who were in her prime and was at the top of the game when so many of these players were watching the sport closely. She struggled with the pressures. And I think... To you know, the players Sabalenka and older, the Benchiches of the world, the Socrates of the world, they think they're supposed to struggle with the pressures. And they put this additional pressure on themselves because they say, well, that's what the arc's always been. That's always been the narrative. And while I'm less certain of that half of my theory. What I am very certain of is that's not the case with Fernandez. That's not the case with Raducanu. That's not the case with Coco Gauff. They grew up in the Wild West era. When they started watching pro tennis, Yelena Ostapenko had a one-off run at the French Open. When they started watching tennis, it was Iga Sviantec, or a peer of theirs, going on to win the French Open last season. And they said, well, wait, wait. We've competed with Iga Svantec our entire lives. I've been just as good as her since I was 14 years old. Am I just as good as her now? If I am, I should be winning Grand Slams right now. And it's just, you know, they saw Kennan win in Australia. They've seen the runs of Osaka and the BB run in New York. They believe their game is ready now, and they're ready to win right now. And all of the, you know, notions of pressure and the media-driven narratives, which is, you know, anytime you're using the word narrative, it means you're making something up because a narrative is a figment of the imagination. A narrative is whatever we say the narrative is. These players don't believe in that. They believe in their games. They believe in showing up on court right now. They believe in getting the job done. And God damn it, have they been able to do just that. And so again, first teenage final at the U.S. Open in women's singles since 1999. That was Hingis vs. Williams. Those are two Hall of Famers. Those are two of the game's greats. Again, we don't know if Radicanu and Fernandez are going to end up there. But to get there, you got to hit the early marks. And that's the hardest part. And Fernandez and Radicanu have done just that here at this 2021 U.S. Open. So, again, what a phenomenal semifinal Thursday in New York. And, of course, that action continues on Friday, perhaps. What's so crazy is we got so caught up in that. Djokovic is playing for history, folks. Playing for Slam 21, playing for the Calendar Slam, of course, Alex Virov has won 16 consecutive matches, an Olympic gold medal, a Western and Southern Open, of course, he's also been credibly accused of both physical and uh, emotional abuse, and if you haven't, Slate, Racket Magazine, go read Ben's pieces on the topic, but from a tennis perspective, that's the juggernaut. That's the match we were all looking for the moment the draws came out. That's your day, you know. And Zirav just beat him at the Olympics, down a set and a break. He's beaten him at multiple times on hard courts at the Olympics, at the year end finals. He was upset at breaks in three of the four sets this year in Australia. He's the one without the pressure in this moment as well, much like Fernandez, much like Radikainu. He's playing with House Money. Boy, is that match exciting! And then look. FAA's serve, his forehand, those are weapons against any player. Now, is number two seed Daniil Medvedev, who's dropped one set on his way to the semifinal round, particularly well-positioned to absorb, redirect that sort of pace? Does he have the sort of serve that can prevent FAA from playing on his front foot and, you know, can pre- force FAA to do the things he's uncomfortable doing, which is defend in the outer thirds and grind a little bit? Absolutely. Absolutely. But is swinging freely, playing confidently. And again, I thought against Alcarez, that first set he played was quietly the best set of tennis I had seen him play. Of course, Alcaraz ended up having to retire, but don't diminish how well Felix was playing just simply by the fact that Alcaraz was banged up entering the match. So again, what a day. What a day. What a championship weekend. Shout out to the USTA. making bank. I mean sellouts on sellouts. You think Saturday's Radicani-Fernandez final isn't going to sell out? I've got a, a bridge in Brooklyn to sell you. You think Djokovic, anything isn't, I mean, even if it's a Zverev FAA final, you can sell that even if it's Medvedev, Zverev, you can sell the hell out of that, and then if it's Djokovic, anyone, it's a guaranteed sellout, and so after a year of no fans, we've all spoken eloquently on Tennis Twitter, we've spoken on this podcast about the role the fans have played, the magic they've brought to this event, and obviously that magic manifesting itself in the women's singles final, we see Radha going to take on Fernandez, again, your men's singles semifinals today are going to be Djokovic taking on Zverev, Medvedev taking on FAA, of course, before all of that. We will be live at the Knoxville Showdown as Columbia, Tennessee, Pepperdine, Kentucky all get in some early fall action. If you want to follow that, get your early tennis fix in. You can join us on our Crack Rackets YouTube channel Friday, Saturday, matches start at 10 a.m. I believe Sunday might be a slightly earlier 9 a.m. start as some of these schools uh, got to travel back to campus. So again, to follow all that action, crack rackets youtube channel be on the lookout for tweets as well and of course if you've missed anything from this 2021 u.s open you can catch up on it all on our website CrackRackets.com. if you need the more immediate updates twitter instagram facebook youtube we are at crack rackets you want to message me directly i'm at great shot pod a shout out as always to our super producer daniel westoff who has a f- of an editing job to do this weekend he's editing pods he's running production on this live stream he's helping dalton run a tournament this weekend that's the man, folks. So shout out to our always champion, Daniel Westoff. But with all that said, again, Fernandez, Radicanu, women's singles final, boy, is that going to be exciting. But with that said, for our fantastic super producers, Flieger and Westoff, our friends at Tennis Point, who by the way, tennis-point.com, the promo code is CR15. And from all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You know what we say. That's the break, and we will talk to you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone.